All right, this is July 11th, and it's 2021, and we're going to be looking at Lesson 6, Jesus' Prayer is Surrender. Speaking of prayer, we just took some prayer requests. I'm going to ask Brother Thurman if you'd go ahead and lead us in prayer. Father, we come before you as humble as we know how. Just thank you for this day and thank you for everything you have done, even keeping us through last night. And Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we asking, Lord, for all that are on the prayer, that has asked for prayer and that's on the prayer list. Oh, Lord, uh, Betty and Dennis and, and Timmy and, and so many, Father God, that, that needs your intervention that need you to intervene right now. And Father, we asking, oh Lord, by the blood of Jesus, oh Father God, that you will work in the lives of those names that we have, uh, that has been called out today. And Father, we ask you would bless us, even as on the sound of my voice, we also have needs. And Father, we just ask, Father God, that you would even, Lord, work in our lives also. Most of all, Father, I just pray that you would bless this day, bless this class, and even be with the service to come. Be with the teacher on today, and Father God, just anoint him to be able to teach the word of God, and may our hearts be open to receive your word today. You said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And Father, we thank you for this day, and we do pray in it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been studying great prayers of the Bible, and, and three of them have been about Jesus praying. One was the, what we call the Lord's Supper. Then, he, then last week we studied about his high priestly prayer when he had a call to Christian unity. And so today we're going to be looking at his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, these handouts that I've passed out, it shows you a picture of the Mount of Olives looking up from the Kidron Valley, because he did have to go through the Kidron Valley to get to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so then you see the Temple Mount in the middle as seen from the Mount of Olives in pictures here. and then. They have an olive tree there that is the traditional site of the Garden of Gethsemane. And so it could be that it was there when Jesus prayed. So that was over 2,000 years ago. But those o olive trees last a long time. It's like an orchard of olive trees. Right. And they do say that they were, they were the they ones were that there. were there when Jesus was Yeah, I, that's what I understood, that um, they've been there. It's really neat to Yeah, them. right. They look yeah yeah that's a good picture of one of them there that they show uh too bad it's in black and white but that's the way it is with making copies <laughs> and uh, well they didn't send it to me in color the original but anyway um i'm sure you can go online and find some beautiful color pictures of that and they do call it the Mount of Olives, you know, because there is a lot of olive trees there on that mount. 
So we must not let the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane lose its significance because it's so familiar. We may in fact struggle to pray as he did, not as I will, but as your will, as you will, in our own prayers. Yet none of us has faced or will face the kinds of trauma that Jesus was about to experience. Not only was he facing the most cruel death known to man, he also was carrying the weight of the sins of the entire world. And personally, I believe that it was mainly that cup that he wanted not to have to drink since he was the pure, sinless son of God. He'd had to drink this cup that made him a sinner in the, in the sense of becoming sin for us and taking all the sins of the world upon him because he is the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And so this was, I believe, mainly the cup, but also we know it is a cup of suffering because when James and John's mom requested that they would sit on his right hand and left hand in the kingdom, he said, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink of the cup that I am going to drink of? And they said, yes, we're able. And he said, well, you will indeed drink of that cup of suffering is what he was saying because we know James was the first one martyred and then John even though he died a natural death he also suffered a lot and he was born in all we know one time legend says and uh, the oil couldn't burn him and so then they banished him to this Isle of Patmos, you know, where they expect him to just starve to death at, since he was in his 80s almost uh, at that time. But uh, so they, they both suffered definitely. So they had to drink of the cup of suffering, but they, they could not drink that cup of the sins of the world that Jesus had to drink of. And uh, also he said to be baptized with, a, with his baptism. And um, both can imply uh, a life of dedication and suffering. So um, no matter how hard our most difficult prayers have been, we can take comfort in knowing that Jesus understands and empathizes with what we feel because he too prayed a prayer of surrender. And that's the title, of course, of our lesson. Jesus' prayer of surrender. The key verse is found there in Mark 14, 36, when he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt, is the King James one. Abba, Father, in the NIV, it says, Jesus said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So it seems that that was the biggest struggle that he was having, having to drink this cup. And we know that he did have to drink it. And this shows the fact that there was no other way of salvation. 
So anyone thinking that they could get saved other than through Jesus, they need to study what Jesus said there. If it be possible, take the cup from me. But he had to drink the cup. He had to go to the cross in order for us to be saved. Um, so the word surrender prompts a number of images in our minds. It literally means to cease resistance and to submit to the authority of another. When a person surrenders, that person gives up all rights to someone who then assumes control over his or her life. All personal prerogatives cease in the face of that submission. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus surrendered to his Father's will. It's difficult to understand precisely what that means, given that Jesus is God the Son. However, Christ's surrender provides a strong example of what our promise to God should be. So that's the introduction, as they say. Um, so we're going to be looking at the scripture. Our central truth, by the way, is Jesus demonstrated surrender to the will of God. There's a song in our hymn book that says, I surrender all. And that's really something to sing that and to mean it from your heart. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. And so it's a beautiful hymn in our hymn book on page 166. When you get out in the auditorium, you can look it up. Um, but anyway, uh, we're going to be looking at these, uh, this outline, but it's pretty hopscotch, I noticed, you know. And, and usually it only covers one or two verses. And so the best way of looking at it to me is to just read the uh, story that each of the uh, gospel writers wrote. So we're going to look at Matthew 26, 36 through 46 first. Um, who would like to read that? It's 10 verses. Okay, get this over to you. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took him, Peter, and, two, and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith, he, then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and said unto Peter, what, would, what could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into the temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for his eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. 
Then cometh he to his disciples and said unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed unto the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doeth betray me. Sermon read here in Mark in a little bit. Uh, that's Mark fourteen thirty two to forty two. You get ten verses too. <laughs> and uh, how many of you have trouble staying awake sometimes when you're praying? You know, I think the enemy just tries to throw a lot of sand in your eyes or something. You know, when you trip when you start praying. So I've heard the best way to avoid that is to pray out loud, definitely, and not just silently, because you'll drift off. But I, I've drift off even praying out loud. <laughs> but uh, that, that's my problem. I, you're, it's best to pray as soon as you get up, really, and, and get up early enough to pray. But uh, I always end up praying before I go to bed and that's not good because you're tired <laughs> but uh, anyway each one has to have their own prayer time you know but the important thing is to pray to pray every day and uh, we we're going to be comparing the different gospel writers on that and um, notice some things that they will point out that the others did not point out and others, uh, a lot of it is the same. So we're going to uh, let Brother Thurman read here in Mark 14, 32 to 42. Mark 14, verses 32 to 30, 42, it says, But of that day and the hour know no man, not the angels which are in heaven, Neither the Son. Let's try it again. 32. It says, They came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and said, He said to his disciples, And he and he taketh with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be sore amazed, uh, and to be very heavy. It says, uh, And said unto them, And he went forward a little, and fell on the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, and he said, and right, and he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and said unto Peter, and again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. It says, and, and when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, neither wist they that to answer him. And he cometh, and the third time, and said unto them, it skips down. It's in the red. Mm -hmm. Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, uh, he that uh, betrayeth me is at hand. All right, thank you. Yeah, thank you, brother. 
So notice there was three times there he mentioned. The first time he said, could not you pray with me one hour? And then he comes, or he goes back to pray, and then he comes back to them, and they're asleep again. And so uh, he wakens them and tells them, you need to be sure to be watchful and to pray, lest you enter into temptation. Because he knew this was going to be a hard night and morning for them. most scholars believe it was midnight before he left the upper room and went to Gethsemane. And so it was after midnight when he started praying. And so he prayed one hour, then he prayed another hour, then he prayed another hour. So there was three hours there because each time it says that he would come and talk to them after praying. And uh, so Mark brings that out about how that Um, he comes and finds them sleeping. The others mention that also, of course. And, um, but he warned them there in 38, watch ye and pray lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit is truly ready, truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. So he was talking about their flesh, but he was probably also mentioning the fact that he was having a hard time in the flesh because the flesh was weak, but his spirit was willing. And uh, uh, that's the way it is when we're praying. Our spirit is willing, but sometimes the flesh is weak and will drip off to sleep, as we said, when we're praying. So remember the time, how that it was after midnight, they had ate a big meal of the Passover uh, there in the um, upper room. And what happens after you eat a big meal, you know? You get kind of sleepy, especially on Thanksgiving and Christmas when you eat those big meals. You're ready for a siesta after the fiesta. And uh, so that would definitely play on their flesh of, of having that big meal and also it being this late hour, you know, after midnight. They're not used to staying awake that long. And they had heard his dissertation that John tells us about from John 13 all the way to John 18. So uh, there was many chapters and many things that Jesus talked with them about there in the upper room before they left the upper room to go to Gethsemane. And that word uh, Gethsemane, uh, I'm just going to do that. (laughs) The word Gethsemane means press. And uh, this is one reason why Jesus said, he, he was full of sorrow even unto death, is what it says in one of the Gospels or several of the Gospels, because he was so heavy with that sorrow. And uh, we know that to show how pressed he was, that uh, when he was praying the third time, it says that his sweat was as drops of blood. And... Uh, I think Luke mentions that. So we'll get to Luke here 
Luke 22, 39 through 46, because remember Luke was a physician, and so he takes note on a lot of things that the other gospel writers don't take note on concerning the physical body. And a person under real extreme agony will sweat blood, they say. And so in a way, this was the first place where Jesus started to shed his blood there in Gethsemane. Um, so we're ready for Luke's gospel, the 22nd chapter, 39 through 46. Brother Mickey, can you read that? Yes. I was going to read it again if they read <coughs> That's all right. You did all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. You got Go ahead. All right. Uh, Luke, uh, 22nd chapter, 39 through 46. And it came, and he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he, is, he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in, in an agony, he prayed more earnestly and this his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground and when he rose up from prayer and came and was come to his disciples he found them sleeping for sorrow and said unto them why sleep ye arise and pray lest ye enter into temptation So that's where Luke talks about him praying so much in agony where his sweat was drops of blood mingled with the sweat. And so he was praying so earnestly that these capillaries in his skin uh, actually burst. And it, it wasn't just a few drops because it said it fell upon the ground, you know. And so he... Uh, some have said that the devil tried to kill him there in the garden because he didn't want him to go to the cross. And um, we know that he said he, he was in sorrow even unto death. So he, he knew that uh, he was going to face something that would almost kill him, all right. And so he asked the disciples to pray and to guard, uh, be the guard there, um, to watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. That watch has to be to be on guard, to be um, alert. And so they weren't very good bodyguards to him at all. <laughs> they just dozed off. And uh, but anyway. Um, That was Luke's gospel there, and uh, he also mentioned the fact that he was so weak in this prayer 
that an angel appeared unto him to strengthen him. And thank God that that angel came to strengthen him and gave him the strength to be able to take that cup and to go to the cross. And if if we ever come to a place where we're called upon to give our life for the Lord, the angel will be there to strengthen us and to help us. And even, uh, even when our friends and family let us down right. and fall asleep in the middle of it, God always provides. Right. He shows himself great on our behalf. And just like he did this angel, I mean, you know, possibly with the others praying, possibly that would have, you know, when we pray for each other, we we strengthen each other and we and we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us to strengthen us. These men let him down. Right. And they didn't intend to, but their flesh to. was weak. And most people don't. Right. Most people don't intend right. to let each other down. I mean we even those that we love the most, we're not always there for them when we when they need us. But God always does. Amen. He won't forsake us or leave us. And so that's one reason he was perplexed on the cross when he didn't feel the Father's presence because he always knew that the Father was with him. And he said, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, he knew his disciples was all going to forsake him. And he knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. He told him that before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, of course, Peter said, oh, I'll never do that, you know. Uh, be careful uh, about boasting on your love for the Lord. It's better to boast for his love for you. And uh, someone pointed that out, I think probably Perry Stone, that uh, he, uh, Peter boasted about his love for the Lord where John, the beloved disciple, boasted about Jesus' love for him. He said, whom Jesus loves, the disciple whom Jesus loves. And as we look at these uh, incidents that took place uh, in the garden and also at the uh, trial and cross, we see that John was with him. And uh, he was there at the cross, we know, because Jesus gave Mary, his mother's into John's hands and said, take care of her as if she was your own mother. And uh, told his mother, consider him as your son. Jesus said the Father loves us as much as he loves Jesus. <laughs> That's something to think about, isn't it? Uh, what, what love the Father has for us. 
Okay, uh, the next reference I'm going to read there in, in John's Gospel, the 18th chapter. This let us know that everything that took place between 13 and 18 was there in the upper room because it said when Jesus had spoken these words, that's where we left it off last week about him praying the priestly prayer there in the 17th chapter. And so after he prayed this priestly prayer of unity for the, for the church, when he had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Cedron or Kedron. And if you notice in your handout, it shows the um, Mount of Olives looking up from this Kidron Valley. And so that's what it's referring to there. And there was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. So he had done that many times. He had been there in the Garden of Gethsemane before. That's why Judas knew of the place where he would be because it said Judas also which betrayed him knew the place for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples so Judas having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests notice it wasn't the Roman army it was officers of the chief priests officers I mean and they came thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. And Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said, Whom seek ye? So instead of fleeing from them, he went on to them and said, Whom seek ye? And, and we also know that in other gospel writings that Judas led this group that was coming to arrest him, and he told him, the one I kiss is the one that you're to take, which lets us know he didn't always wear a white garment, you know, like you see in the movies. Uh, and so Judas had to point him out who he, is, who he was there in the garden. And uh, so after he kissed him, course Jesus asked him are you going to betray the son of man with a kiss you know so that's known as the Judas kiss uh, when a betrayer tries to kiss up to you um, so anyway he approaches them and says whom seek ye who are you looking for and they answered Jesus of Nazareth so Jesus said unto them I am he now that he is in uh, italics, if you notice, because he probably didn't use the word he. He just said, I am. And uh, we find that as soon as he said that, they went backward and fell to the ground. So they went backward and fell before him. And so... He wanted them to know they could not take him unless he let them because he had power to lay down his life and power to take it up again. And uh, 
So that's, this is good that John points that out, you know, that, that when they came and asked, or he asked, who are you seeking? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And as soon as he said that, they recognized the name of God is I am, you know, is what he told Moses. I am that I am is my name. And uh, whenever Jesus used that phrase, I am, they knew that he was referring to his deity as being the son of God. We see him as the son of man there in the garden first as he was very weak and and sweating and all that. But we see now his deity showing up where he said, I am. And as soon as he said that, they went backwards and fell to the ground. In Psalm 27, 2, it says, When the evil men come to destroy me, they will stumble and fall. And so that's a prophecy there in Psalm 27, 2, which was fulfilled here. As they came to take him, they stumbled and fell. And then, of course, he allowed them to get up, but he wanted them to know that he could have just escaped real easy. Because other times they tried to take him and he escaped out of their hands, the Bible says. But this was his hour, and he knew he had to go to the cross. So he asked them again, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I imagine they were a little uh, trepid or, or trembling when they said that after experiencing being slain in the spirit, you might say, when he had said, I am. So he said, I told you that I am. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. So, so he wanted the disciples to be released, to go. That the saying might be fulfilled. Of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. He probably wanted to cut his head off, but it, the guy ducked, and so he got his ear. Um, then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up the sword into the sheath. The cup, notice, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it. So he knew he had to drink that cup. <coughs> Another gospel mentioned the fact that Jesus asked those that didn't have a sword to sell their garment to get a sword. And uh, I was trying to find where that was. But anyway, because I've been looking at all these different gospel ones. So they said, we have two swords. And so he said, that is enough. And some have uh, symbolized that as the two swords of the Word of God. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament, because we know the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So uh, he said, it is enough. 
for the two swords. So we know Peter had one sword. Who had the other sword, I was wondering. <laughs> you know, you wonder about some of these uh, details sometimes. And I got thinking, well, he had Peter, James, and John there praying and guarding. So evidently, James must have had the other sword as well as Peter. I can't prove it, but, I, you know, you get to speculating sometimes, wondering about some things. Uh, so it could be, since James was older than John, that, that he would have the sword, because the oldest is always ref referenced before the younger, and you never hear John and James. You always hear James and John. Uh, all right, good time of running over here, almost. Um, about the angels strengthening him, it asks the question in the teacher's quarterly anyway, what other Bible figures can you name to whom angels appeared? <coughs> we know with Elijah, when he was running from Jezebel, an angel appeared to him and brought him angel food cake. <laughs> you know, it was cake <laughs> from an angel. And uh, that strengthened him. And then we know... Uh, Gideon was strengthened by an angel that appeared to him. And Paul, later on, in, on his way to Rome, and, and that shipwreck was about to take place, he said, the God whom I served has sent his angel to let me know that all lives will be saved. And so we know those three incidents and with Jesus, there was two incidents. The first one was when he was in the wilderness being tempted of the devil for 40 days, and it said an angel came and strengthened him. So since an angel came to strengthen him in the garden, it seems that that was also a temptation that the enemy was trying to get him to flee because uh, on the Mount of Olives, there's the west side and the east side, and he was in the west side, so he could have went to the east side and fled. But um, uh, we know that he didn't flee, but he stayed right there and faced his betrayer and those that came after him. Lord, we pray that you will help us to surrender to you all that we are and all that we have because... It all belongs to you anyway. You have bought us with a price, and what a price. Thank you, Lord, that you paid a debt we did not, or you did not owe, and we owed a debt we could not pay, but you paid the price for us. You redeemed us, and we're so thankful for that. And be with the service to follow, anoint every part of it. Be with the praise team as they lead us into worship, and we pray that you will... Help us to draw closer to you and be surrendered to what you would have us to do each day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Went over about five minutes. Sorry.